Good morning. How's everyone doing? Yeah, maybe right there. Try that. Um, if we could, I just want to uh, say thank you via hand clap to Tom and Sophia for rolling with the punches there. And uh, just uh, leading us in worship, even with stands falling over and got our, our built-in Skrillex sound system uh, that converts worship to dubstep, just like that. Um, anyways, I know I know it's hard to roll with the punches, so thank you guys for leading us in that. Um, we're going to continue our sermon series in John today. If you have a Bible or a phone with a Bible app, turn with me to the end of the second chapter of John, John chapter 2. We're going to read um, verse uh, 23 through 25, and then I'm going to steal a little bit of whoever's preaching next. I'm going to steal a little bit of their text and read the first two verses of chapter 3 as well. Um, because I, if, if you don't know, the, the, the chapters and those divisions are added later, and so I feel like this is part of a same thought um, that, that refers to the, the first part of the third chapter. But um, Yeah. It might be good if you move like, all the way into the middle. All the way in? Okay. I've been working on my preaching voice so I can yell louder. Yeah. Woo! Bring it! What about, I don't want to get past these guys. Though. Okay. Is that, is that alright? Speak yeah, loud. You need a drink? Got <laughs> some water. Um, I, may, I may need some water by the end of it. Um, alright, so we're going to uh, read at the end of John chapter 2. And Jesus in chapter 2 has, um, has just begun to reveal His glory. A few weeks ago... Uh, Zach did a great job and talked about the um, the wedding at Cana of Galilee where Jesus turned water to wine. And when his disciples saw that, it says they saw this miraculous sign and they believed on him. And then last week, Jake Chambers from Red Door was here and he preached about how, how Jesus clear, cleared out the temple of people who were turning God's holy temple into a marketplace. And he, and, he, and he basically said, I'm the new temple. Destroy this temple and in three days, I'll rise it again. And they didn't understand it yet, but he's revealing his glory moment by moment. And so this is continuing along with that. Um, are you guys there with the scripture? John chapter 2. I'm going to fight some of this wind. All right, here we go. So John chapter 2 verse 23 says, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them. For he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. And then the first two verses of the next chapter go straight into it. So he did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. Now there came a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God was not with him. Amen. This is God's Word. Today, the title for the message is, He Knew What Was In Man. But my first thought I want to deliver is that there is a faith, there is a type of faith that Jesus does not endorse or accept. There is a type of faith that Jesus does not endorse or accept. And you might say, 
wait a minute, isn't it all about belief? Isn't this whole book of John written about belief? In the very end where he says, in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, many other things Jesus did, many other miraculous signs, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. In the first chapter, didn't they say, you know, He came to His own and they didn't receive Him, but to as many as received Him and believed in His name to them, He gave the right to become the children of God. In in chapter 6, when they say, what is the work of God? And He says, to believe on the one whom He has sent. That's the work of God. Isn't it all about belief? And you're saying there's a type of faith that Jesus does not endorse? A type of belief? Yes. It is all about belief. And as we're going to look at it here, just like John says it in chapter 20, verse 31, it says it is all about believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that there is we have life in His name through believing in Him and what He's done. But this first point, the first point I want to make is that we have a glimpse in this passage and elsewhere in Scripture that there was some, some faith at some times by some people in some crowds that Jesus did not entrust Himself to. And we can make all kinds of speculations about that and I think there's probably a lot of different types within that. But the, the umbrella type that I want to talk about is faith on our terms. Faith in Jesus on our terms versus faith in Jesus for who He is. You see, everyone has an answer for who Jesus is. And I think that that itself is evidence that He is the Son of God, the Messiah who came to save the world from our sins. Because 2,000 years later, there's not a generation that can pass and ignore the question, who is Jesus? Everyone has to have an answer because either He's the Son of God and it changes everything, or He's a teacher who's come from God, or He was a good man, or He was a prophet, and it doesn't really affect quite as much. You see, I believe that the, the faith that, even, even the faith that Nicodemus comes to him at this point, we know later in the story that Nicodemus does become a disciple. But at this point, he comes to him and says, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. That is a measure of faith, but that's not truly faith in who Jesus fully is. That's part of it. Yeah, he was a teacher, but he didn't say, we know that you're the son of God. We know that there's life in your name. He said what 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 Judaism still says, that Jesus was a teacher who came from God. He says what Islam preaches, that Jesus was a prophet who came from God, who tells us about God. But that's different from the faith that Jesus is going after. It's different because you can, you can have a teacher and you can say that Jesus is a teacher to teach us about God, but Jesus is not just a teacher. He's a Savior to save us from our sins. You know, a teacher is limited because he can only teach us how to save ourselves versus Jesus who came to save us from ourselves. So what, what does that mean, faith on our own terms? And how are they exemplifying it in this passage? I think the first thing to, to, to kind of open that up a little bit is that it says they saw the miracles he was doing, the miraculous signs he was doing, and believed in his name. So in, in that time, to believe in his name just didn't mean to... Uh, you know, I believe Kenny's last name is Lyles. I believe in his name. <laughs> no, but to, that phrase, to believe in someone's name, was to believe in their character, in their activity, so the works that they're doing, and the place that they have in God's purpose. Right? And so, in some way, they're saying, I've seen a few signs, and now I know who you are. 
right? But Jesus is continually revealing his glory. And as you read this book, he, it, the, the, the place where his glory is most going to be revealed is going to be on the cross and when he's buried and when he rises again on the third day. Yeah. And they haven't fully seen that. But there's an aspect to which they believe in who they think that he is versus who he actually is. Yeah. And Nicodemus gives us that example. We, we know that you're a teacher from God and, and Jesus doesn't really accept his faith. He says, you've got to be born again. Right? So, so there's a part that's missing. And, but just to go along, believing on his name, what, what would it look like to, to have faith on our own terms? If we look at that, believing on the character, the activity, and the place that he has in God's purpose. There's a lot of different ways in our own faith, even if you're a Christian, you're here and you've been a believer for a long time, um, or, or even if you don't believe in Jesus, there's a lot of ways we can come to Jesus with faith on our own terms. And the idea that we get to decide who he is. Yeah. We get to decide who he is in our life. So one of that would be, so faith in his name, his character. You know, it might be, might be you're a Christian, you believe in his word, I really like Jesus, I really like his teachings and what he says about this and this. But um, this, this, uh, this holiness that he talks about, and, and the way that he doesn't like sin, and he talks about uh, sexual immorality, and I just really think that's out of date I think that's outdated and it doesn't really match here. So I like everything else about him, but that whole character thing, I'm not really going to tie in to that. And if you're not careful, we begin to be people who look at the Word and look at who Jesus is and what He did. And, and when we read the Word, instead of being a messenger of the Gospel, we begin to be an editor of the Gospel. And we cut out the parts we don't like. And we're not really believing in His character. And who he is. We're believing in what I think he should be. Right? Let's move to the activity. Sometimes we fall in the trap. Christ, Christians fall in this trap a lot. What will he do for me? Yeah. Yeah. I believe in... If I serve him, what will he do for me? Yeah. And a lot of times, I, I fall into this. I know... And, and we do this all the time. We make Jesus into a means, not the end, himself, right? And we say, I, you know what, I'll serve you because I think you'll give me a good family, you'll give me good relationships, you'll lead me to the right one, you'll give me the best marriage, you'll give me health, you make stuff come together for my business, you'll help me get an A on this test, <laughs> whatever it is. And even if they're good desires, it's good to desire health, it's good to desire good relationships, yeah. it's good to desire great family. If we're not careful, we get into this trap of, I'm going to serve Jesus because of what I hope that He will do for me. And if He doesn't do what I hope He does for me, then I'm not going to serve Him. In that case, we're, we're not trusting in His activity. We're trusting in what we hope He will do. He becomes a means to an end instead of an end in itself. And then... Um, Lastly, his place in God's work, his, his place in God's purpose and his place in our lives. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we, you know, we think we have kind of our life together and the way we're going it, but we need a little bit of goodness, we need a little bit of Jesus, and a little bit of holiness to add to it. You know, and instead of becoming our Lord and our Savior who we need to save from our own sins, Jesus becomes our coach and our life mentor and our, our positive mental attitude like model. Faith on our own terms versus actual faith in Jesus, that He is the Christ, that He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, that He is 
not just from God, but that He is the Son of God, that He is God the Son in the flesh, that, that we can have life in His name because of what He did for us on the cross. That's faith yes. in Jesus. That's not faith on our terms. That's not where we get to decide who He is, but that's where we say, He said who He is, He came and did what He did, and I agree with Him. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen. There was a funny example I think of, um, and, and, and it's from a movie, and I don't condone watching this movie, but I remember a funny scene... <laughs> Well, I know that several people have seen it because it's, it's come up in culture a lot. But there's a movie uh, about racing called Talladega Nights with Ricky Bobby. Oh. <laughs> you watched that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is a confession. Anyways, so there's a scene where they're praying for the meal. There's a scene where they're praying for the meal and Ricky Bobby starts out and says, Sweet baby Jesus, I just... And he starts going into his blessing for the meal and they interrupt him and they say... Now, Ricky, you know he grew up, right? He's not still a baby. And he's like, well, I like to think of him as a baby. And then he goes on this whole thing. And I think the scene was actually kind of sacrilegious. But the other thing I saw was that we do that. Because then he starts up his prayer again. He says, sweet little nine pound, six ounce, baby Jesus in your swaddling clothes. He, he only wanted to pray to his version of Jesus. He didn't want to let God be God. He had to decide what Jesus was going to be like to him and then pray to that. And in the same way, even though that's a silly movie, it's a great example of what a trap that we can fall into. And it's a great example of a faith that Jesus will not endorse or accept. Amen. No Amen. Okay, the movie was just sort of right, right. There is the true prayer and true religion of all our brothers. Yes, yes. So, there is a faith that is on our own terms that is a faith that Jesus doesn't accept or endorse. And I think, yeah, back to the text, I think, you know, we've said that He's revealing His glory so far. He showed us the new wine. And then he showed us the new temple. And in chapter 3, he's going to show us the new birth. And in chapter 4, he's going to show us the new water. And then he's going to show us there's a new way to worship in spirit and in truth. He's revealing his glory all the way through the story. And this passage reveals some of his glory too. In the fact that he did not entrust himself to the crowds. That verse says, they, um, they saw the miraculous signs he was doing, believed in his name, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them. For he knew all man. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in man. So what does that mean with the entrusting himself to them? What does it mean that he didn't entrust himself to them? Well, actually, in the original language, it's kind of a play on words because it's the same word that they use for believe on him. So if you, if you read it originally, it would be, they saw the signs he did and they believed on him, but Jesus did not believe on them. Right? So he did not endorse he did, so as they were saying okay we're really we're willing to submit to that he's saying I'm not willing to submit to what you think of me right now and and it sounds a little weird for someone in power or someone who's getting attention you know to entrust himself to them but this is really something that's very common that we see every day think of a politician who runs for office right so how do they they go out and they campaign how do they get those votes they get enough people to believe that when I get in office, I'm going to represent you, right? 
And then once they get in office, they make that speech. Oh, we couldn't do this without you. Thank you so much. I'm going to go represent you. And then they go there on Capitol Hill or wherever it is. And, and they have to be entrusted to their constituents because they know if they don't submit to the will of their constituents, they won't get reelected and they want to get reelected. We get in a lot of weird political struggles because of that. Or think of a celebrity or a musician who, in the beginning, they have to get fans. I have to get people who believe in me enough to pay to watch me, right? So they have to build up more and more fans, but then once they get them, they're kind of a slave to those fans. Because if they lose fans, they lose their livelihood. But if they get too many fans, everyone says, well, you're selling out. You're not being true to yourself. So we are familiar with entrusting ourselves to a crowd. And here's the thing. It's not that Jesus... I like what John said when we talked about earlier. It's not just playing it close to the chest to play it close to the chest. Just because he doesn't trust everyone. But he is entrusted to someone. He's entrusted to the Father. John chapter 5 says, I only do what I've seen the Father do. John chapter 12 says, I only say what the Father has told me to say in the manner in which he's told me to say it. What Jesus is saying right here when he doesn't entrust himself to this crowd is that I'm not going to let the crowd determine who I am. I'm not going to let the crowd hijack my mission because I am a man on a mission. I'm not just a teacher. I'm God in the flesh, even though they don't know it yet. I'm not just here to tell them how to do better. I'm here to do better for them and then die for them. And if he entrusts himself to the crowd and what they want and what they think and what they think, yeah, he's a great guy. I like him. I, you know, I think he could do this. He's going to go way off course. And this is a picture of how Jesus, it reveals his glory that he's not like us. Because <laughs> how many times have we entrusted ourselves to a crowd? Even if it's just middle school and the, the clique that dresses the same way and likes the same music. We find our identity in entrusting ourselves to some kind of crowd or someone. Jesus doesn't. Thank God that Jesus doesn't. Even his closest followers. Matthew 16 talks about when, when Peter confessed, you know, when Jesus said, Who am I? And, and Peter was the one who stood up among them and said, You are the Christ the Messiah. You're the Son of God, right? In the next few verses in Matthew 16, Jesus says, okay, listen up. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to, the Son of Man, who you just said I am, I'm going to suffer and they're going to put me to death and then I'm going to rise again. Peter takes him aside. Never, Lord. This will never happen to you. And what does Jesus say? Get behind. What does Jesus say to his closest friend on earth? One of his closest ministry confidants. This guy who's always there, always has his back. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Even his closest follower and friend unknowingly was willing to hijack his mission and say, No, you can't go to the cross. That would be horrible. (laughs) But thank God that Jesus does not entrust Himself. He does not entrust us to tell Him who He is and what He needs to do do for us. That's what it says in the rest of the verse. He did not entrust Himself to them. I'm in the wrong chapter right here. He did not entrust Himself to them, for He knew all men, 
He did not need man's testimony about man for he knew what was in man. He doesn't need us to tell him what we need. Yeah. He knows what we need. Amen. Even when we don't know it. Which brings me to the last point. Why? Why did he not entrust himself to him? Because it says he knew what was in man. He knew what was in all man. And, and you can think, well, what, is, what does that mean? That could mean an uh, infinite number of things. But I want to focus on two things. First off, it means that Jesus is omniscient. Everyone say omniscient. Omniscient. Right? Which is a, a big word that just means he knows everything. It's the word omni and science. All knowledge. God has all knowledge. You and I, we look at each other. There's an extent to which we can know each other, but there's, there's an extent to which I can't know what's in your heart. You can't really know what's in my heart. You know, my thoughts don't flash up on my forehead and you can read me and see what I'm about to say or, or, or think or do. Jesus is not like that. This reveals His glory that He does know what's in our hearts. Yeah. Everything that's in our hearts. And you know, what's ironic about that is that that's the thing that one of our basic needs that we want most is just to be fully understood and known by another human. Jesus is the only one that can give us that. Jesus is the only one that can fully know us, that can fully understand us, that sees every tear you cry at night, that knows every injustice, every wrong that's happened to you. Jesus is the only one who really knows that. So the first thing is that He's omniscient and we can find comfort in His glory being revealed in that. That He knows everything. And if you're in Christ today, you can find comfort and joy in the fact that He knows everything about you and has given His own life for you. And then the second thing He knew, He knew what was in man. He knew that what we needed before we knew what we needed. He knows what we need more than we know what we need. He knows that the marks of sin in our life are so deep that the sin in our own hearts is so deep. You know, the the theological term, they talk about total depravity, which doesn't mean that everyone is as bad as they can be, but it means that in every... it's, it's, It's... easier explained as radical corruption. So not radical like out there, but radical like a radish, like a root. Like corrupted at the root of our heart. Even though we still have the image of God, even though there's good in people, we are corrupted by sin. And a lot of times, even our our good actions, our best actions, have selfish motives. Have sinful motives. Have self-preservation at the heart of it. And, And on our own, we are not able to come to God. On our own, we're not able to choose God. He knows. You know, they say the, they believe on Him. They say the crowd, the crowd says they believe on Him, but He knows it's going to be a crowd that crucifies Him. The one chance we have to come face to face with our Creator who made this. As, a, as, as mankind, we crucify Him. He knows that. And yet... He reveals His glory on the cross, not in spite of what He knows, but because of what He knows. Because He knows what is in man and woman, you and I. Because He knows that we need need Him to go to the cross because we can't pay for our own sin. We need Him to rise again on the third day because there is no hope other than death for us in this life. Outside of Him. We need 
Him and He loved us enough knowing that sin that was in each and every one of our hearts that He continued to reveal His glory. He did not let His mission be hijacked by faith on someone else's terms. But He revealed His glory on the cross and that sin that was in us the Bible says that when He was on the cross He became that sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Because of what He knew was in us, He became that on the cross. (laughs) He became that for us to free us from sin and to give us hope of eternal life. Amen? Amen? And He revealed His glory because He knew what was in man. So that we could believe in Him, that He's not just a teacher, that He's not just a prophet, that He's not just a miracle worker, but that Jesus Christ is the Messiah the Son of God, and that believing in, in, in His name, in His character, in His activity on the cross and through rising again, and His place in God's purpose, that's how we can have life. Amen? That's the faith that we need to long for, and I, I'm done with the sermon. I think um, we're, we're going to transition into a time of communion, which when we do that, it's to remember it's to remember that cross. It's to remember that revealing of His glory. The Bible says to proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. And so that's what we're doing with communion. And as we go over there, in just a moment, I urge you to go, go with a group um, and, and really just let this be a time of, of searching your own heart. Maybe take a few minutes before going up there. Just to search your own heart. Because this this type of faith where we come to Jesus on our own terms and tell Him who He needs to be for us, that happens a lot. It happens in my heart. I know that happens in, in, in our hearts from time to time. And so, um, yeah, let it be a time of repentance. Let it be a time of the Holy Spirit illuminating your heart and asking, God, let me come to you on your terms. Let me trust in who you are because that's more than enough and it's better for what I think you better than what I think you should be. Who he is, his glory revealed is way better than what we want him to be or what we think he ought to be. Because one of those leads to death and one of those leads to life. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for um, just the beauty um, in nature, the evidence of your glory today. Lord, I thank you for the air that we're breathing. God, I thank you that I thank you that you know better than us and that it, it is such good news that you know better than us, Lord. And uh, I pray for a, a time right now that that as a community, Lord, we would take, take a moment to be introspective. Holy Spirit, show us any ways in which we're, we're we're not trusting in your character or any ways in which we're, we're, we're using you to get what we want instead of to really find our joy and our hope in you. Or forgive us of ways where we're hijacking your mission for our own personal gain. Help us to turn from that and help us to remember your body that was broken for us. Your blood that was poured out to pay for our sins. God, and that you give us life. And, and Lord, I pray for anyone here who is, who's not a believer, anyone here who's not in Christ, I pray that they would contemplate these things. I pray that they would think about who Jesus is 
in terms of who you claim to be and not in terms of what we could say about you. Um, but Lord, I pray that, that people would come to faith and belief in your name. And uh, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So take a few moments if you need to uh, and, and pray. And then, um, and then if you are in Christ, if you are a believer in, in good standing uh, with, with the church or if you're from another church in good standing with that church, you're more than welcome to come up and, and partake in communion. And if you're not, it's, it's not anything that's... It, it really is uh, for believers, and the Bible says to guard that. Uh, it's not anything that's going to make you get good or be lucky or anything like that. It really is for people who have placed their faith in the cross. And uh, so, so if, you're not, if you're not comfortable with that, please, please refrain from that.